Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And good morning, everybody. Welcome back to our Everyday Truth podcast. Appreciate you being here today. Looking at a postcard here from Gaylord, Michigan. And this is what they call an ice tree. I don't know if you can see that. Those of you that that are watching an ice tree. Uh, Grace Moody listens. Uh, Her parents, Joshua and Jessica, were uh, in Israel uh, with me. Uh, But uh, Grace listens to the podcast, and she sent me this awesome postcard from Gaylord, Michigan of an ice tree. So, Grace, thank you for that. Appreciate it. We are in uh, Mark chapter number 10 in our study, and we just uh, were in the middle of a story about the rich young ruler. So we have already seen what the Lord has said to him, and now he has walked away very sad. Uh, because uh, he was unwilling to give up that in which he was placing his trust. And of course, what was he placing his trust in? Uh, Resources or money. And Jesus said, uh, how hardly shall rich men enter into heaven? Uh, Verse number 23, we'll pick it up there. Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, this is after the rich young ruler walked away, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And again, not not that selling everything we have is the way to heaven or the entrance ticket into the kingdom of God. It's just that Jesus was pinpointing that in which this uh, man, young man was trusting. And so it is when we talk to people about the Lord or try to witness to people about salvation, it's important to ascertain where does their faith currently lie? Because in order for a person to come to Christ, he must put his faith and trust entirely in him. And those of us that have resources like American Christianity or those of us that have been raised with a religious a preconception that somehow our works are the way by which we curry favor with God, sometimes it's difficult for us to realize it's by grace through faith alone. And there's no admixture of works. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And that assaults our pride, doesn't it? Uh, that, That puts us in a place of complete and utter desperation where we need Christ and Christ alone. And Jesus was driving at that here in this conversation with this man. Uh, Watch verse number 24. The disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again. So uh, to further clarify what was hard for them to understand, he saith unto them, children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? And that's where Jesus really gets to the gist of the story. It wasn't that Jesus is putting these requirements on salvation other than faith. What it was, was Jesus was using what this man was trusting in. Hey, sell everything you have to demonstrate that that's where his faith was. 
So that's the point. How those that trust, trust in riches. It's always a faith issue. Salvation is always a faith issue. Verse number 26, or rather 25, Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So he's using a literary device here called hyperbole. And Jesus is saying, hey, think about the largest animal. Now to a Jew, the largest land animal they could think of was a camel. So think about the largest animal and then think about the smallest opening that you can think about. The smallest opening that they could think about would be the eye of a needle, like threading a needle. So it's like taking the largest animal and trying to put the largest in through the smallest opening. And of course, it's just hyperbole. That would be impossible. And that's the point that Jesus is making, that the possibility of salvation is an impossibility, only possible through the supernatural power of God as we invest faith in him. So uh, what a follow-up to the entire conversation. Now, watch uh, the, rea- the reaction of the disciples in verse number 26. They were astonished. So this is the second time that their astonishment is referenced. We saw it in verse number 24. Now we're seeing it again in verse number 26. They were astonished out of measure. So they were not only amazed, but they were amazed, amazed. And the Bible says they said among themselves, who then can be saved? So they were, they were just in, incredulous. Well, then if that be the case, then can anybody be saved? Because how could a camel get through the eye of a needle? I mean, this is just, this is silliness. How then can anybody entertain the, uh, the, the notion that he could possibly be saved? Well, Jesus then adds the qualifier in verse number 27. When Jesus looking upon them saith, with men, it is impossible. That's the whole point. The whole point is that if if you're trying to do something to be saved, remember that was how the rich young ruler led the conversation. If you're trying to do something to be saved, then it is impossible. And with men, salvation is as impossible as a camel getting through the eye of a needle. Someone that thinks he can work his way to heaven, someone thinks who thinks he can enter the kingdom of God by his merit, That's as impossible as a camel. And I've been around some camels going through the eye of a needle. It would never, ever, ever happen. So with men, it is impossible. But then Jesus said, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And that's not saying that God is going to take a a camel and put him through the eye of a needle. No, he's going to do something much more difficult than that. He's going to give eternal favor and eternal Uh, eternal salvation to people that are desperate and depraved sinners. That's something far more difficult than a camel going through the eye of a needle. And so the, the point is, is that salvation is the supernatural work of God effected by the invested faith of man. God has done the work. The work is his. Uh, the belief is mine. I trust what he has done and therefore receive the gift righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not righteousness of my own, but the righteousness which is of God by faith. And that's the impossibility of it. God does the impossible 
I believe in the God that does the impossible. So th- there's, the, there's the teaching. Verse number 28. So all of this talk about forsaking all and following Jesus, uh, Peter is still just kind of stuck on that. And it says in verse number 28, then Peter began to say unto him, lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Now, what's important for us to understand is that this is not an extension conversation about salvation. This is just Peter thinking about, well, wait a minute, you know, our faith manifested itself in the fact that we did leave all. Oh, we left our nets, we left our homes, we left our 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 families. Uh, we have followed Jesus. We are, I mean, we have literally done what Jesus asked this rich man to do. Now, does this mean that this is what salvation is? That we have to somehow leave our homes and leave our families and that is salvation. No, that's not the point. The point here is that Peter is picking up on the fact that his faith in Christ really was evidenced in he left all. And so Peter is kind of stuck on that. Well, wait a minute. We have left all. You know, what's in it for us? And, And at surface glance, we would look at a statement like that and think, well, that's kind of a selfish question uh, that he would say, hey, what's in it for me? But I don't think that was Peter's spirit. I think Peter was just genuinely inquisitive and had a a kind of a crisis of conscience here for a moment. Like, yeah, I mean, we really have given our entire lives because of our faith in Jesus. How does that all work? Look at verse number 29. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. So think about it. Because of a proper motivation for the sake of Christ, because of a proper motivation, because of the importance of the gospel, The Bible says when people have made those decisions to prioritize Christ in the gospel above all else, well, the Bible says that he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. So yes, there is reward and it is worth it. And the, the, the Bible says there is value. And he uses the term a hundredfold, which, which is um, really, it, it's, it's a general word of, uh, of great blessing. There's great blessing. In other words, Jesus is not forgetful. He knows the sacrifices. He knows the condition of the heart. He knows the willingness. Because for most of us, We have not made that commitment. We've not left our lands and our families to follow the Lord. But the point is, is there a willingness to put Christ in the gospel ahead of all other human loyalties? That's the point. He he drives that point home in Luke chapter 14 when he talks about, if any man will come after me and hates not 
father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. The point is not that we hate, in this modern sense of the word hate, our family, or somehow we just hate the stuff that God has given us. No, God has used many people in the Bible. He uses their stuff, and there are many rich people in the Bible. It's not that stuff is wrong. It's not that relationships are wrong. It's just that prioritizing them over our commitment to Christ, prioritizing them over our commitment to the gospel, that is wrong, and they often get in the way, both to our entrance into a relationship with Christ and that our maintenance of a relationship with Christ. The point is that Jesus must be first. Jesus must be first in our heart, in our priority, in in our attention, And that's what he's driving home. And there's great reward in that, both in this life and in the life to come, as we put legitimately put Jesus first. And that's the summary of his statement in verse number 31 when he says, but many that are first shall be last and the last first. Jesus has a different priority system, matrix, than we do. And in this world, those that are the ladder climbers, those that seem to be successful and get stuff and get attention and get fame and get the things that this world would count as successful things, the Bible says really in in the matrix of eternity, that really is last place. But those that put Jesus first in this life, which many times brings suffering and persecution and loss and deprivation and, and, and all of that, the Bible says, but really when that ladder is turned upside down by heaven's standards, that's first place. So the point is, is Jesus first place in my life, in my priorities, in my heart? And, and Jesus reminded Peter, it's always worth it to sell out for the cause of Jesus Christ. Maybe you needed to hear that today. I know that I did. And so let's be reminded. Hope that helps. We'll stop there in verse number 31. Jump back in tomorrow, verse number 32. Hope you'll be here for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.